Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. Hello, Tyler. Hey, Rick. What's up? How are you? I'm good. I'm in the uh, final stages of, of house buying today. I thought you were done with this. The... Close is tomorrow, and so I have to wire the down payment. Like I was like thirty seconds away from it before you joined, so I I didn't quite get it in. So I'll I'll do it after this. But it's it's nerve it's a nerve wracking thing being like, am I doing this right? Is this massive amount of money going to the right uh, organization here? (laughs) Oh, what if uh, what what an awful mistake to make? Yeah, and our realtor was telling us that back in two thousand and eight. A lot of like there's a new regulation since then that basically the money you send to the title company is insured or guaranteed or something. But back in the day, you'd like wire your money to the title company. They'd go out of business overnight and then your closing was the next day and all your money was gone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So now that's they have protections against that. But apparently they didn't in 2008. Well, I'm glad they fixed that. Yeah, that would be pretty devastating. I'll say. <laughs> anyway, so that's the main thing on my mind. What have you been up to? Well, I, f- I, I wanted to tell you that I, I have completed my onboarding with a alternative uh, CRM product. I'm paying, just to give you an idea, $500 a year per license. And we have two license right licenses right now, mm-hmm. um, which is a total of $1,200. So that's a lot, it's a lot of, it's an expensive CRM. It's not really in the, what I would call the less annoying CRM pricing category, right. but I'm really happy with it. The name of the company is Copper. It's Copper CRM. It used to be called ProsperWorks. And anyway, I, it's perfect for me because it allows a lot of automation and it's built uh, with the assumption that you're using G Suite as your primary communication tool. Um, the one thing it lacks is an integration, a deep integration with Google Voice, but I don't think that's Copper's fault. I think that's Google yeah. Voice's fault. Um, but hopefully that'll change over time. That's the one limitation is the there's a limited, there's not much of an integration between Google Voice and I wouldn't and count Copper. on that one. Google Voice is like a completely abandoned product. It's not on the enterprise side. So on the enterprise side, if you buy Google Voice for your business, it's actually getting some TLC. Does it still use like the Google Voice app and stuff like that, though? Because I'm a Google Voice user and everything about it sucks and breaks all the time. I don't use the Google Voice app. I use uh, the web browser to log into voice as a desktop mm-hmm. phone. And it works amazingly. It's it's. I mean, it works. A, don't get me wrong. I still use it. I'm just. It's I a great question, experience. Okay. <laughs> I question like, do they even have an API that can be integrated with? My That's the problem. No. It's not open. Yeah. And I think, like, you, obviously, you have to be careful about opening that up anyway if you're tele- in telecommunications because people will abuse it. But it seems like they should, someone like Copper, who's so heavily invested in G Suite anyway, should have a way to get access to that API. I'm just saying, this is the problem with Google is they don't support any of their products. Like, who knows? Will Google Voice, even in the enterprise, exist a year from now? It's impossible to say. I agree. I mean, I I bought, I made the mistake. We made this mistake so many times. I mean, we adopted Wave at Zane Benefits mm. in the early days. <laughs> I just, um, a year ago, bought a Google Stadia, you know, which is the yeah. video games thing. And I mean, that 
when was the last time you heard someone mention Google Stadia? Yeah. No, I like, for example, um, what's their, their competitor to AWS, like Google Cloud Firebase. or whatever it's called? That's one of the products within it. But I think Google Cloud is maybe the bigger, whatever that thing is. They're trying to be a competitor. And it's like, th- not in a million fucking years am I going to rely on Google to host a website for my business? Like, no way. Yep. I'm, I actually want to get off their email at some point for that for that reason. I, I don't think Gmail's going anywhere. Don't get me wrong. But like, you just, you can't trust anything they make. Yeah. Anyway. It's scary. It's scary. Jumped right to rants there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as someone who, I mean, I don't, between you and me, like, I don't know if there's two more people who have been more loyal to Google over the years. Um, and they've let us down a bunch of times. Yeah. Anyway, you were talking about copper and I distracted. Yeah. So Sorry. that's copper. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, it's a, it's working out really well. Lena, our, our, uh, our former intern now team member in marketing picked it. Uh, she did a great job researching different options. It has a calendar Calendly feature in it. So, you know, I wanted to tell you that because mm-hmm. it's going to replace Calendly for me. Um, nice. and, uh, I can send emails inside copper. I can send emails out, out in Gmail and have copper right there. Uh, the pipeline views are awesome. I can customize the record names. It, I mean, everything's great. Great. What else is going on? I'm working on the website, which I'm, I have all the messaging now, but my challenge is, designing and then figuring out what messaging goes where on what pages. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about it. I'm wondering, you know, there's, I was talking to Sable the other day and she was telling me that there are sort of two approaches that she's taken in her career to building a new website. One is you, you build the messaging around very loose wireframes um, and then have a designer sort of figure out how to, you know, make that messaging work for that page. Or you sort of, design the page, um, and then fit the messaging within that design. I'm, I'm doing both of those things simultaneously. I'm wondering what's worked best for you, uh, when you are designing a new website and trying to, to get a lot of different information out there, but also think about, uh, how it, it it looks and feels simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Do you do one before the other or do you sort of build? I think I've done what it sounds like you're doing right now. Um, I would, in the past, I would use Fireworks, which was is a Adobe product. Now I would use Figma for this, but I would do the design and the like writing the copy at the same time. Now I, I hadn't gone through the whole exercise you did of positioning, and you have a lot more like context already than I would have. But I think it's hard to just take a template and say throw your messaging in there because. Like the page may look very different depending on what you're trying to communicate. And I, I just think it's all connected. And so what I would do is in the past, do it all together. And then as you do different pages and stuff like that, you may go back and be like, actually, on the pricing page, I made this element that really handles pricing well. I'm going to go put that on the home page too. So I just think it's all connected. I, I That makes me feel better that I'm not wasting my time here. It's taking longer to get something out, um, but I definitely, I'm doing it in Webflow. Because that's, it, it basically, I, I see a couple benefits. One, I can see my actions. And as soon as it's done in Webflow, I can publish. Um, two, it's, you know, I'm improving my Webflow skills while I'm doing it. Um, and even though, like, I'm not publishing a lot of the stuff that I'm building because I'm redoing it, I'm getting better and better about 
like how to use positioning displays, borders, box shadows, all that kinds of stuff that I never would use. So um, I think it's okay for me to do it in Webflow and not maybe go to a tool like Figma because there's that added benefit for me. I think that's fine. Let me argue against it just just so you hear this opinion, but I don't I don't think what you're doing is a problem. I always design there there are some programmers who design in code, like they start coding and they do the design at the same time. I've always thought that's a mistake because you end up being constrained by what happens naturally. So like there's a certain layout that is going to be much easier and maybe it actually makes sense to do that like pragmatically. Maybe you shouldn't invest another few hours in getting the layout different. But I think it's best to start with what's the best possible version of it. And in Figma, nothing's hard. Like you can make it look exactly the way you want. And then you can go into Webflow and make the decision. You know, this layout's actually really hard to implement. Let's let's cut some corners here. You're right. But I think your argument's fair too. And the reality is the design probably like the design on your homepage or your pricing page, it matters, but does it matter that it's absolutely perfect? Like, no, probably not. But to your point, it might be faster actually to go to Figma and design it, get it to what it looks like fast and then implement it. Implementing something that looks, I'm my skills in Webflow are very good at, once I have something, I can figure out how to make that work from an HTML, mm-hmm. CSS and JavaScript standpoint. But if I don't have something, Imagining it is actually the hard part for me. And I think uh, reducing barriers to imagine my imagination might actually really help me. So I'm actually yeah. going to take that into under consideration and maybe jump to Figma going forward. Cool. Have you used Figma before? No, but I've used... Um, I have not, no. Okay. It doesn't. It's not that hard or anything, but if you're like an hour in and you're like, I don't get it, give it another hour. Like it... I, I had a little bit of resistance to it because I was used to more old school design tools. Um, now that I'm comfortable with it, I really like Figma a lot, but it, it took a little bit to get the hang of it. You know what? I'm actually going to run a test on this. I'm going to I'm going to get the about page out today doing the, the way I'm, I've been doing it. And then I'm, mm-hmm. for the next page, I'm going to do it with Figma and just compare the experiences and yeah. see which one I like better. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. Uh, what about you? What other stuff you got going on? So uh, tomorrow I'm going on uh, something like two week vacation. I'm not actually going anywhere, just taking a break from work and getting the house ready and stuff. So I've kind of been spending some time wrapping up loose ends and I had like four meetings today just with people who are like, I need work to do while you're gone. So let's have a meeting about what I should be doing, stuff like that. Um, Did we talk about where you were going? I mean, I'm not going anywhere. You're just taking time off around. I'm the just house taking time off, yeah, to move in and get settled, yeah. that kind of thing. Cool. Right. It's it, uh, vacation's the wrong terrible. word. Vacations. Well, I don't know. It's a vacation. We, t- we talked it's, about this last time. It's yeah. It's, it's not vacation. It's it's not travel. It's more personal time. Yeah. Sure. It's a staycation, I guess. Um, it's not even vacation. It's actually miserable. It's moving. That's miserable. I think a week of it will be moving. Well, we, we're hired hired movers, but. I'll enjoy it, but I, a week of it, I think, will be just hang out, relax, that type of thing. Um, I probably will work a little bit during it, but on stuff that I otherwise wouldn't like work on. Like, I really want to design this feature that is not my top priority by any means, but it'll just be fun to do. So I think that will be refreshing. So, yeah, it sounds like you're going to 
play around with some stuff more so yeah. than work. Do you uh, do you want to have the podcast next week? Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. I'm still, and I, I also have like a couple odds and ends, like meetings and stuff. But mostly, I'm off. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that. Uh, we uh, have a sort of big news, which is we made a, a new hire recently. One of the interns from last summer we Was hired. Last summer, not this summer. Th- this the summer that just ended. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Sorry. The yeah. I guess it's still technically summer, but yes, we hired one of the interns, and which is a surprise because with all the economic turmoil and everything, this isn't really the right time to hire someone from a financial standpoint. But a, if you've got the right person, you know, it, you know, bird in the hand versus two in the, is worth two in the bush or whatever. Uh, but then also, we've talked. You know, back when the PPP stuff was going on, our revenue is lower than it should be right now, but we have more cash because of PPP. So basically, like we're saying, the PPP money, part of it, of course, went to paying payroll and stuff and getting us through the bad period. But also we're saying we're making another hire with that money. So that's exciting for us. Congratulations. Do you feel good about it? Yeah, very good. She's a developer, uh, came in and like her her we're actually about my my next update kind of actually segues nicely we're about to ship a bunch of new improvements to the product and one of the big ones was her summer project which is building two factor authentication for the CRM so that's great and two factor authentication is text a number uh and get a code type thing yeah it, we we're supporting text email or the like an authenticator app like google authenticator so basically instead of just needing an email and password However you get it, you also need a code to log in. Is that required for all users or is it uh, an option that you can enable for more security? Yeah, it's just an option. Um, It probably seems a little late for us to be having this feature. Like you'd think we would have needed it earlier. Uh, We always had a a workaround where you could log in via Google and they have two-factor. So anytime anyone asked about this in the past, we'd be like, just log in. That's what we do with our account. Like... We don't. We just don't log in with our passwords. But uh, it's it's going to be very nice having this built in natively. It'll be a nice little checkbox that more security conscious people were asking about. That's great and co- cool that she built that and it and because of her her work is now part of the team. Mm-hmm. I think I I, uh, I reflect a little bit on the internship projects this week as well, and this is the exact same experience with Lena. It's like you have a project that actually produced value. Like go, Let, let's get yeah. you on another one because it's gonna you're gonna pay for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, and all like in addition to that, so this will bring us to five software engineers, but sort of six. We have a sixth one hired, but she's more like an apprentice. So she's a CRM coach right now and doing coding with like on the side. And then in January, she'll switch to the dev team full time. So pretty soon we'll have six software engineers, whereas we had four you know, a few months ago, like before summer started. So this is a 50% increase. Like once they get more experienced and are really fully productive, um, this is a pretty significant increase in the kind of bandwidth on the dev team, which is neat to like daydream about. (laughs) I can't wait to talk more about where that uh, dev time is going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, we'll, we'll dive into this more later, but to tease it, I think basically... We've been playing catch up this whole time for the 10 plus years we've been around. We've been saying customers keep saying they need this, they need that. There's parts of our product that are kind of embarrassingly bad, two-factor authentication being one of those. 
I think partially our product is getting mature enough and partially our team is getting big enough that going forward, at least one and maybe two people on the team can just do like not stuff that we're doing reactively, but stuff that I've, I just want, like maybe no one's asking for this, but this is more of an opportunity to innovate, to take risks and try new things. And really, I think if it works, that's, what's going to differentiate us from other CRMs, not you know, oh, we have two-factor. We have a new custom field type. Like, that's just kind of table stakes. That's awesome. I'm excited. Um, on that topic, maybe I can talk about the other product improvements we've got going on. Um, none of these are, I shouldn't say none of them. Some of them are deployed now. They'll all deploy over the next week or two. So they're basically done. Two-factor authentication was one. We just added keyboard shortcuts. So like, this whole time you've had to use your mouse, like you could use the keyboard to like tab between fields and stuff like that. But now you can navigate around the CRM. You can open up, like, I want to create a new event. That's alt shift four. You know, I want to do a search. You can do a bunch of stuff just on your keyboard without, without using your mouse at all. So that's nice for at least, at least One, people who work at less annoying CRM <laughs> like it. <laughs> I can't, can you track who's using their keyboard to navigate hmm. the website? Like, I would love to know what percentage of people use these features. I know yeah. I know that some people love keyboard shortcuts. I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those people who relies on them. Um, mm-hmm. but I love the ones that really save me time. Uh, but not as like a a, a a mouse avoidance strategy. I mostly agree. I sort of had my mind changed about this when I started using Superhuman, the email client, because they're all about keyboard shortcuts and when you get used to it and you just never have to touch your mouse, it it is nice. I don't expect our users to be that way. The big ones are, we did a redesign earlier this year, and it's actually not harder to access the search tool, but people perceive it to be harder for whatever reason. And now you can just hit Alt-1 and, and start typing. So that'll be a big one for people. And then the other one I really like is when you're on the calendar, you can just do Control-Left or Control-Right to like move around. So just being able to be like, oh, what about next week? What about next week? Because it's kind of like a small mouse target to click on it. So keyboard's easier for that, I think. Cool. I, I can't wait to hear feedback on that one too, because that's that's a, that's just an interesting subject for me. Yeah, yeah. What I love about it is there's no UI. Any like Every time you add a new feature, you worry, is this making things more complicated or whatever? Maybe none of our customers use it, but it certainly isn't making it more complicated for anybody. Yep. Um, next up, we have collapsible attached item sections. This one's probably the, the least major one, but when you're looking at a contact record in the CRM, there's like all these different sections. Here are your tasks, here are your, uh, you know, files, whatever. Over the years, people have like built up really long lists of these things. So now we give them control to like collapse them and then you can mouse over it and still see everything. But it, when you mouse off, it collapses again. So just a nice quality of life thing. And then the final thing, which is probably the biggest, is custom file fields. So uh, you can add custom fields to contacts, pipelines, whatever. You can, you've always been able to attach files to contacts, but it's just like one big bucket. It's like, here are all your files. There you go. So we added the ability to make a custom field for specific files you need. So on your lead process, you can be like, here's the contract. Here's the estimate. Here, you know, whatever the things are. And upload it, upload it directly there so that you can like organize and you can even make them required. So it's like you can't attach an invoice if you don't have the PDF or something like that. Cool. So yeah, 
it's it's wild having all of these coming out within like a week or two of each other. <laughs> well, um, do you do you think that this is going to be an update you're going to have weekly going forward where you have like four new features <laughs> or is this like a monthly thing? What do you think the cadence is going to be? It's a good question. I think certainly this will be a, an anomaly. It's just a lot of stuff happened to land at the same time. I think I'd be very, very happy if a feature, if you averaged all these together, whatever that level of feature is uh, once a week, I think every other week is very, very achievable because between five or six people, that really means people are finishing stuff like maybe four people are finishing new projects once a month and the other two are doing bug fixes and stuff like that. Um, I think that's pretty achievable. That's awesome. It's exciting to see what that could turn into. Yeah, it's starting to feel like a flywheel in the way, you know, you hear people talk about a flywheel, like you you make things better and that brings in more customers and then you can hire more people. I, I feel like it's finally starting to feel like we're we're getting over that really like long slog it out in the early days type of, we're, we're like cresting, I think, hopefully. I'm going to eat these words later, but... <laughs> Um, and then one other, sorry, to I've got just a million updates here. Another thing that's a little less product related, but um, still a really big improvement is we've been working on moving the help site to Webflow for quite a while. This one's still probably two, three weeks out or something like that, but it's we've got all of the uncertainty has passed us. Like it's working. We just have to move all the content over at this point. And one of the things we did is we set up Swift type, which is one of these like outsourced search tools. So now the search for the help site is really good. Like you start typing and it auto fill, it like shows you all these suggested articles and stuff. As a result of that, we're making the customer service experience way more focused on searching for help articles and less on contacting us. This is probably long overdue, but I'm like, I'm trying not to get my hopes up. I think this could reduce the number of inbound requests we get by double digit percentage which is like a full-time employee if that if, if we get a 20 percent decrease that's like a full-time employee wow <laughs> I, that's crazy just by yeah. by by improving the user interface of the content that you already have yeah and again we'll see if this happens but in the past if you're in the crm and you clicked the help button it would pop up this thing that yeah it had a link to the help site but it was like a contact form and a phone number. And it's like, contact us, or if you want, go search the help site. Now it's going to be like, type your question and get your answer. If you can't find an answer, we're not like hiding it, but option number two is contact us. So I think like a 10 or 20% decrease in tickets seems reasonable given that change, I hope. Especially, uh, yeah, like, listen, most people don't want to talk to you. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> that's just how it is today. Maybe I'm wrong about your user base, but at least 10% of those people are going to be like, thank you for letting yeah. me solve this problem on my own at midnight versus having to wait in the morning to you know, call someone. That's another thing we did, by the way, is like with this change, we're doing much more specific off hours notifications. So if you try to call us before, it was just like, here's our email, here's our phone number, here's the help site, do whatever you want. So there was no way to intervene. Now, if they we say, how do you want to do this? Do you want to call us? Do you want to look at the help site? If they say they want to call us, we say, it's actually nighttime where we are. We're not going to pick up. So like, you can, if you want, and leave a voicemail, and we'll call you back. But why don't you go for a contact form instead or something like that? So I think it'll also nudge people towards better 
methods of communicating. And that whole workflow is built inside of Webflow. No. the So Webflow is hosting all of our documentation. Um, the workflow I'm talking about is all within our app. So we built a little, it's almost like an intercom widget, but we built it to, they, they click help and we're like, here are all your options and it's got the flow and all that kind of stuff. That might be a product in of itself. Yeah, I was surprised. I, I wanted to outsource this. I wanted to use a third party for this. And there are a lot of third party knowledge bases, but None of them worked for what we want. And maybe that's because we're weird, but I don't know. No, this is my biggest challenge with Help Scout's beacon and even Intercom's beacon is I need chat I need that chat bubble not to be a chat bubble. I need it to be a communication routing service. Yeah. And and so I I like that you might have something there. Hmm. Um especially if you added the ability to have it sync with a text tool, text a texting tool, a chat tool or a uh, flow into those types of other, you know, other things that people are used to getting from that bubble. Yeah, for sure. I don't see myself going after that idea, but if anyone listening wants to build that, I I think there's something there (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Um, nice. I've got more updates, but I feel like I'm talking a lot here. Well, I think one related to while we're on the subject of devs and, you know, how you're going to allocate the excess that you have this, this, uh, I think this next one is worth tackling right now. Uh, the CRM coaching team yep, update. Yep. Yeah. So they don't actually know this yet. So if any of, if any of the people I work with are listening, here's a, here's a little update for you. Um, I think what we're going to start doing now that we have more devs, I think we're going to say basically one, it won't literally work out where like one person's working on this, one person's working on that. Obviously, you have to kind of prioritize stuff in the moment. But the framework I'm using to think about this is one person's on bug fixes. So they're protecting all the other developers from getting distracted. We already do that part. One person might be on something like fixing technical debt, like maybe not new features or anything, but just keeping our code clean and secure and performant, stuff like that. A couple people will probably be working on str- new strategic improvements one person will probably be working on like core things to the crm the type of thing i was saying we've been doing this whole time like just playing catch up with all the other crms that are out there that leaves one person and i was thinking what might be nice for that person is just like give the customer and you know if you continue that the customer service rep at our company give them what they want like maybe strategically, this isn't the most important thing for us to work on, but like, what is the thing that our CRM coaches hate answering or hate saying no to or whatever like that? So it, it, it'll help customers, but also be an internal morale tool. So I think we're going to do, we're going to have someone basically just doing that type of stuff. Cool. In order to do that, normally I prioritize all the products, all the, like everything everyone's working on. I'm saying, here's what's most important to me. And I think I'm pretty good at it. Like I have the, of everyone at the company, I have the most insight into all the different moving people, like what's going to help marketing, what's going to help customer service, what's going to help, you know, on the technical side. But given that the point of this is to address what is driving our CRM coaches crazy, it's appropriate, I think, in this case for them to pick what it is. So I think that this is going to be like a leadership opportunity on the CRM coaching team. You and I have talked about this before. You can be a leader without being a manager. I think I'm going to open it up to the team to say, can one of you take ownership over keeping this list, connecting with the rest of the CRM coaches, and 
always providing me with what's the next thing that we work on with this like one sixth of our dev resources, basically. I think that works great. I think the, the, you, you'll still need to play some function of a product manager to mm -hmm. validate uh, the problem and solution uh, set. Yeah. Um, and uh, as long as you're willing, you're going to do that, then I think it'll be great. Yeah, it'll be tough deciding how how much to put my thumb on the scale, because something that I've struggled with, and I, I think probably every CEO does, is people want to be on your side, you know. And so if you if you express an opinion and you're genuinely like, I don't know, tell me tell me if I'm wrong, people oftentimes, I mean, maybe this is like a cultural problem and we need to get better at it, but people are easily persuaded. If I say something, maybe, maybe you, your, your role is helping them make the right decision and then overriding them if they make the wrong one versus <laughs> telling them what you think. Um, but, but the way you maybe, I think what you've got to figure out is how do you empower, this is ultimately going to become a limiter of your dev team at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, you want to figure out how can I provide, what information does someone else need in the company other than Tyler to be able to prioritize and root cause analysis and, so, and and identify solutions that um, don't violate our core strategy. Um, yeah, and that's I think that's that's ultimately what role you're going to be playing in the situation. But um, you could use this particular situation as a as a sort of a experimentation uh, gr grounds for figuring out what the training is that someone needs to get to sort of to start offloading some of the product management responsibilities. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I mean, a, a part of it, I don't want to offload. Like, I don't think we're anywhere. We're not even within years of needing to offload most of this, but you, you broke that down into a few things. There's like prioritization and that stuff. And then there's coming up with a solution. I think the solution part is where I want to start getting involved, which is to say, you tell me the problem, Right. What's the thing you hate hearing from customers and or whatever? If you want to propose a solution, great, but it's going to have to work within the constraints of what I want the product to be. And if your solution doesn't work, maybe I'm not going to tell you the problem's invalid, but I'll, I'll propose a different solution. Maybe totally. I, yeah, I think um, I think that the thing that you can prioritization. I just want to make very clear is not an issue. Like that is not going to be like you can deal with people things you have enough room for error for people to learn how to prioritize on their own, mm -hmm. but you, you don't have room for people prioritizing the, like things that damage what you've yeah. built. Um, or, or, um, kind of another form of this is working on problems that don't, that aren't really problems. Um, right. and so I, I think I would divide it into two very specific things. One is, and this is where I would focus first is root problem identification. Um, I think that's gonna be the biggest challenge is how getting to the right problem to folk to start trying to solve. Usually when you get people to that, agreeing on how to solve it is much easier. And I would, I would bet that if you can get uh, other people in the company to, to, to your ability, which is very like of the highest I've ever met of identifying root problems, then the, the solution stuff with the guidance that you're already providing around the company, the communication that you do probably will be pretty aligned. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I think that's a good way to think about it. And yeah, probably just little subtle nudges can do this. We I've we've sort of started this on the dev team already where when someone writes up a Trello card, what we call it a jog card at other companies would be a sprint, basically. Um rather than saying, Here's what I'm building, you're supposed to say like, 
the problem that initiated this is a customer, blah, 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 blah. And so here's what we're going to do about it. I think maybe I, I'm glad you said that because I wasn't thinking about it that way, but that's probably I should impose rules basically that say, ultimately, you're going to be pitching me on something, but here's how you need to pitch it. You need to start with what what is the problem. And why is that problem happening? That, that, what you do yeah. naturally is you go, problem. Why is that problem happening? And then why is that problem happening? And then why is that problem happening? Oh, that's probably why that's pro- all these problems are happening. Um, and we should solve that problem. And uh, that's that was the hardest thing for me to figure out. And I never really figured it out at People Keep. But once you get to a certain scale, that like you want people, you need yeah. people thinking that way. Um, and uh, that was the hardest, by far the hardest thing uh, to, to teach. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, along these lines... We kind of decided, so we, like I said, we just hired our sixth software engineer. We need a designer before the seventh. So our dev hiring is kind of frozen right now. I, I don't think what I'm asking the CRM coaches to do is necessarily a thing that leads to being a designer. I think there, it's very likely we're hiring someone else for that. But this type of thing is, to your point about me removing myself from the process and stuff like that, it, there's a CRM coaching side, but there's also, I need to start preparing for a world where there's a product designer in addition to me. Oh yeah. That makes so sense. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I've got one more, but again, I'm dominating. You got anything else on your mind here? Yeah, I've got two things. Um, they're, they're related. So I'll just go ahead and go through them both. Um, I've been adding several consumer clients, each week for the past few weeks, which has been kind of cool. And nice. I haven't really done any outreach. It's all been from the outreach testing I did in July. It's just start, still trickling in from hmm. just a little bit of outreach. Uh, it's kind of cool. So these are like personal contacts or someone in your network that you these are people. To these are people I either reached out to in July who are just now getting back to me or they're people who have been referred by people I talked to in July. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you said like a couple a week? Couple a week. Yeah. A lot of this, what's been happening is making me feel like outreach is going to work. I don't need to worry about outreach. I'm now really concerned about delivering on the service levels. <laughs> hmm. And uh, on that note, uh, as I've mentioned, I've gotten just naturally a pipeline building. I can also see my pipelines now in Copper, which is really nice. So I have three <laughs> pipelines. I have an AOR pipeline, which is people who ha- buy their health insurance already and want to, and I'm trying to get them to make the, the agent or sign an AOR letter. Um, the, the second is a consumer who doesn't buy their own health insurance currently and w- needs to buy health insurance or is considering buying health insurance. And that's a quote pipeline. And then, uh, you know, obviously the open enrollment quotes, there'll be an open enrollment pipeline as well as part of, as a subset of those mm-hmm. quotes of like, Hey, like let's get everyone new quotes for the, for the new year. And then the uh, the the third pipeline is an employer pipeline for offering leg up health as a benefit, um, and I've got four opportunities in there. One is a company that currently offers benefits to their um, offers a, a, a informal benefit stipend to their thirty plus employees. Mm-hmm. One is a company that has a group health insurance plan, and then. Uh, two are two are companies with a group health insurance plan, and then a third is a fourth is a, a company that offers nothing currently. 
and I've gotten verbal yeses from the company that doesn't offer anything and one of the companies that currently offers group health insurance to offer leg up health. And, and one of them wants to get started right away. Wow. Yeah. That is very promising. And they were all inbound? How'd, how'd they hear about you? Uh, all f- either from that outreach I did back in July um, or... I told you about that LinkedIn ad I made a mistake on where I put yeah. 50. So one of them came from the $500 mistake I made on LinkedIn that, because uh, I remember that person signed up online, started yeah. shopping right. yeah, you and then scheduled that. a phone call and then had their, had his CEO on the call when we, we did the phone call. He had, if you can, if, if you can spend $500 and get that lead every time, <laughs> go raise money. I mean, that's great. <laughs> Not raising money. Um, <laughs> but, but the cool, the, the, the cool thing here is that, um, no one's balking at the pricing. So in each of these cases, they'd pay $200 per year per employee renewing o- October 1st. Um, so I've got, obviously like I've got someone who wants to move forward. I've got to build this thing. I've thought a lot about this and it's very similar to what I've thought about in, in past, um, roles. But I wanted to, one of the topics I have today, and we don't need to go through it right now, is thinking about pricing. Because I priced it at $200 per year without really thinking, but then I started getting questions about, okay, well, what happens if I hire an employee mid-year? How do you price Mm -hmm. for that? You know, should there be a setup fee? All these kinds of things. And then the other, I think the more, I'm less concerned about pricing right now because I'm willing to get pricing wrong for my first few clients. Um, I'm more concerned about what, how to deliver now that I have a client that wants to move forward and what the minimum set is for this very, this different product, which is, um, they want to offer stipends. So, yeah. uh, and, and, and so anyway, I would love, I guess that's my update. It's a win, but do you want to just dive into that right now? Yeah, I guess so. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. All right. So if I, the way I've thought about this is, I'm looking at what are the key things that I need to be able to do to offer value for $200 per year. Mm-hmm. One, I need per employee. One, I need to have the, the ability for the company to, to sort of set the rules of the program, which means when does it start? What's the monthly allowance uh, for each employee? What are the rules around that allowance? Um, and then uh, what, you know, three, who are the employees that are eligible for that allowance? Um, Sorry, can I pause real quick? Are yeah. you imagining that you're actually handling that money the way you did at People Keep? You're, you're just telling the employee how it works. You, you don't have to enforce any of this. Yeah, that's a good point. So if you fly up higher and say, what is, what is the $200 per year for? One, it's for um, formalizing individual health insurance services as a benefit mm-hmm. um, at your company. And and what does that look like? Well, it means if you're offering a stipend, incorporating a stipend as part of, you know, you know, very much hands-on individual health insurance services. It's being available to employees when they have questions. It's some for- form of open enrollment messaging and communication to employees. It's benefit materials, PDFs. Um, it's a place for employees to go that, um, the company can, can brand. Um, it's those kinds of things. It's, it's, and and then it's, you know, that, so that's the employee value, but then there's also this, how do I communicate to the employer so that they can maximize that there's a setup experience. And then there's a ongoing, 
roster management um, and and stipend management, if applicable. One is, hey, you know, we hired a new employer. This employee is no longer with us. The other is, um, hey, we've changed our benefit stipend, or you know, we we have added a new type of benefit stipend, or we've changed the eligibility criteria. And I need to. I don't want to build this all of this right off the bat, but I do want to build something that is good enough to deliver on the value proposition and figure what, you know, how best to deliver this. And, uh, I think I probably outlined what the minimum requirements are just by Mm -hmm. talking right there. But I guess my bigger question is, do I need, should I deliver this manually? Should I deliver this via software? Should it, should it be integrated with my current leg up health services or should I build a separate product for this? Those are the kind of questions that are flowing around in my head. Before we dive into that, I'm I am so excited for you here because this is everything you wanted people keep to be, but you're not like inventing a thing that people aren't talking about. Like you're very directly solving something people want. This I I'm very very bullish on this. This sounds awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you. It's this is very much um, in response to what people are already doing out there, mm-hmm. as opposed to forcing something down their throats. And I can feel the difference between the two. Um, for those of you out there who are watching all kinds of debates on Twitter and elsewhere around, you know whether you should build a new category, not build a new category. Um, I. I th- I can I haven't felt what I'm feeling with leg up health before. People keep was always a grind. Same benefits was always a grind where we were building something new, we were positioning it as something new, and no one was doing when we went showed up at someone's office, no one was it was so rare that anyone was even fathoming what we were talking about. This is not that way. This is people are buying their own health insurance and I'm showing up saying, Hey, let me help you do this better. Yeah, people are offering benefit stipends to their employees. Companies are offering benefit stipends to their employees, and I'm going, "Hey, you know what? Like, let me help you do that better." And that is so much easier. Yes, amazing. Okay, so to your question of how to do this, I mean, to me, I think you can provide enough value manually that I would certainly default to that route. Like th- the goal, eventually, if this works, well, well, let me let me pause for a second. Would you be happy if the employer side of this took off and you like if it was doing so well you didn't even need to do the individual side anymore no because the employer thing is most of the value is the individual thing so i I know that like an employee at the company needs you to give them the individual service i'm not saying you would abandon that but like maybe someone can't come sign up as some random individual you for sure would not do that no that's core to our mission um the our core customer is the consumer, and our employer services will be designed to help to deliver that in mind. If the if offering the employer service ever gets in the way of delivering our consumer service, we'll have to we will by definition of our mission and values have to abandon it. Okay, so this is not that dissimilar from less knowing CRM, where we are willing to sell to enterprises. We actually have a five six hundred person company that's considering us right now. And it's like very exciting. It's like, that would be a whole lot of money. Uh, but how do you do that without 
selling out. I realize this wasn't your question. I'm like making up a problem for you here, but I think it might inform it, which is we've always said because it's not our mission to serve enterprises, we won't do it if we can't directly explain how that's going to help our small business customers. And I think you could potentially do something like that here where you say there's something with this enterprise or with this like selling to business plan. What would it need to how what would it need to look like to improve the mission side of it and not sacrifice that? And if you went off and built a bunch of automation and took a bunch of risks on this, I don't think you could claim that that's what was happening. Yeah, it, when you put it that way, it really comes down to making it easy for the employer the employer client to pass out leg up health education about leg up health and its services and for that employee to make it easy for that employee to get in touch with leg up health mm-hmm. um, that's probably like the minimum that we would need to do the one thing that I can't decide is helpful or not I guess it's purely related to billing is if like I could see in a world where we didn't worry about billing and we just said, Hey, offer this to all your employees. Um, here, here's, you know, here, well, we don't need to know about each of your employees. We'll help them when they contact us. If, if we don't know about their employees, we can't bill them. Does that right. make sense? So like uh, there is this, it- element that pushes me away from that and going, well, based on the pricing that we've chosen, we actually do need to know all the employees. So now Absolutely. I'm trying to justify why I need to cl- collect that employee information. And I guess I could make an argument, but it's not the, for the right reasons that reaching out to them would be helpful. I don't, just to clarify my earlier point, I don't think every single thing you do has to be directly in service of your core mission, but everything else that's not directly in service needs to like be a clear money maker or something like that. And then you can funnel that money towards your real mission. And I would take it a step further. I would say not just be a money maker, but it has to lead to more of our mission. Like, yeah, like the reason we would like, it might be better, for example, to bill on a range of employee basis and just say like, you know, honor code it's X dollars per month, you know, and for the first 50, you know, 10 employees, it's this. And then for the next 20, just tell, be honest with us. Um, and then just not collect employee information. But that actually, I think we can actually add more value by collecting employee information is what yeah. I'm getting to. That's oh, it. for sure. Cause yeah. you need to reach out. Like you are most helpful if, if you actually talk to people and help them get their insurance and they're aware that you exist, you've got to know who they are in order to do that. And I actually just realized what our key job to be done is, um, or a way to think about the job to be done. It's not the job to be done, but it's a way to think about it. It's like, we are the outsourced employee advisor for their mm-hmm. benefit, for their benefit allowance, if they have one or for their health insurance, if they don't. And if we look at our role that way, what do we need? Like in order to be a, that person, like what do we need to build in terms of feature and functionality? Um, that's probably the MVP set. And then yeah. ha- how to deliver that is a whole other question. Can I go down a little rabbit hole here? Like, yeah, go, go ahead. To riff off of that. Like how do these, I think these businesses could be a huge part of your success, even if it's not your, your core mission. How, how do they connect? To me, like you could phrase 
what you're offering to the individuals that aren't coming through a business account. What are you offering them? You're offering them the peace of mind that they would get at an employer that offers good benefits. And so it's almost like the same thing, right? Whether it's through an employer or it's not, you want the people to feel taken care of and protected as if they have this like Cadillac group plan with an on-site advisor, just no uncertainty, no fear they're taken care of. And the idea that you're you're faking this almost for a business, you're going to fake it in the exact same way for an individual that comes to you. So they seem like the same product and one really feeds off the other. The only difference between the products from a, from a, is from the employer perspective. Yeah. So from the employee's perspective, the services are the same. Let's be honest. The, diff, the, the only difference is you don't have to, you, you get the services whether you buy, you're, you're our agent or not. We're your agent yeah. or not. Um, that's the only caveat. The, the main thing for the employer here is a formal, for, formalization and serious like added value to a program that otherwise might be laughed at or devalued. Yeah. Um, and that is you know giving people money to buy health insurance or spend it on whatever they want to and helping their employees make good health insurance decisions without offering a group plan. Yeah. So to pull this back to the the bigger question, to me, yes, there's this thing you need to offer the employer. I think it's definitely worth investing in it. It's going to let you serve more individuals, take care of more people. It's very consistent with the mission. But to me, I'd be looking at, let's start that with manual. Like, yes, I need a list of their contacts. Send it to me in Excel or whatever. Should I think about this as a separate, within the box of a separate application or should I try to build this on top of my existing leg up health application slash workflows? I'm not sure I know enough to answer, to, to give an opinion on that, but like the, the consumer experience I think should be for sure in your existing application. If I were you, I would just say, how far can we get with the employer without building it anywhere? Like maybe you go into Webflow and say, Acme Incorporated, I'm going to make leguphealth.com slash Acme Incorporated. And that's going to be a manual static web page with here are your benefits. Okay, link link anyone you want to that. Give me a spreadsheet of who your employees are and I'll reach out to them. I'll generate some PDFs that you can include in your welcome packet for new employees. I feel like you don't need to build anything into the actual platform. And then just email me when you have a new employee. Or, you know, uh, well, you're good with no code. You could you could build an Airtable form and be like, just go go put it in here. And then behind the scenes, you could do whatever manual stuff you want. But $200 per employee, you'd have to, I mean, you do not need to automate that ever. You could always do that manually and it would still be profitable. (laughs) Yep. Um, Can we move to the pricing discussion real quick? Mm -hmm. So $200 per employee, the way I've I've explained it so far is that it's prorated. So it renews every October 1st because that's when we want to have the $200 come in because it will fund make sure we have the funds to, to staff open enrollment, um, which is a very busy time for us. So the way I've described it is if you sign up for October 1st, it's $200 per year and then it's renews October 1st. But if you sign up in November, it's 11 twelfths of $200 for the next year and then $200 going forward. Mm-hmm. Might, is that is that a good idea? Let me poke at this a little bit. If someone comes along and they've like, they're like, I've got a 200 person company November's not the renewal date. It's March, March 1st. What do you say? 
um, they would be charged 10 minus three, seven twelfths of the $200 fee. Um, but they're saying, I don't want to pay you my annual fee in November. I want to pay it in March. Nope. Uh, our, our fees on October or October. Sorry. Yeah. Really? You would dig your heels in about that? Yeah. Um, I would. Why? Because open individual health insurance is purchased open enrollment. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's when, um, cash flow wise, it's important for us to get that money in. But if the, if the customer is like, well, my fiscal year works such that I need to do it in March, you're just saying, nope, I'm losing what? you as a customer. Oh, your fiscal year. Yeah, I'm just think- saying they could, they could have any number of reasons to, I, I've never heard of a situation, or maybe in benefits it's common, where a SaaS product is selling and they're like, we are enforcing, this is the day that your renewal happens. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to enforce that for, to, to ensure that we're, take, have the staff to take care of the employee. Um I, I guess why like would someone what push you want rather than what yeah. they want? Anyway, maybe well, the, yeah, but the, but the customer that. here is the employee in this case. So like, I'm going, what's best for the employee? I guess I, if no one pushes back on it, then okay. But I, I would just, I'm, I'm going to, you think it's crap. arbitrary. I think it's arbitrary and I, I think you'll be able to service them no matter what you'll be able to handle the, the gut. Anyway, that's maybe not what you were really asking about. So maybe it's just $200 per year, whenever they sign up renewing annually from that point. Yeah, I mean, I might say something. I'm trying to think through this. It's not like the service you provide is even throughout the year. Like you could charge them monthly, for example, but it it wouldn't really be true. It'd be when they sign up, there's some work I have to do. When they renew, there's some work I have to do. Um, when they when they have a life event, there's some work I have to do. Yeah, although for most, I assume the average person doesn't have a life event in a typical year. I don't know. On average, I don't anyway. have enough experience to know. Um, so, like from your point of view, though, whether you build it monthly or annually or whatever, you're really paying for one or two events that are happening throughout the year. So, th- the reason I'm saying this is prorating. It might make sense just because it's simple for the employer, and like you can you can say it all evens out. We do this at Lessening Serum all the time, where like some customers are less profitable than others. Some like really take advantage of our free support and others don't, and it all evens out, and that's fine. Um, but prorating doesn't like make sense in terms of what your costs are. It doesn't. Uh, so so the way the way I thought to solve this was making it about open enrollment and charging it on open enrollment, which is why the yeah. October date exists. Um, now, the other way to solve it is to have a setup fee. Right. Um, and then a small monthly fee uh, that, yeah, but, you know, it's. I, I'm interested who you end up selling to, because, like, I personally rather pay a monthly fee because my cash flow is stable. I You're hate selling co- to small. Yeah. Copper charge me annually. I'm pissed about it because it creates accounting issues for me. Right. Sorry. So I'm saying as a buyer, I'd rather spend monthly. And you're saying as the person receiving the money, you'd rather receive it monthly. I think as a buyer, I would rather buy as it buyer, monthly. Okay. Um, what as about a, re- what about receiving it? Um, I would rather receive it monthly. Uh, I worry that charging monthly will um, lead to it doesn't align to the value being delivered. That's what I worry about. Yeah, the, the that I think that's kind of true either way. 
-hmm. Like again, if you're aligning to the value being delivered, what you say is there's a setup fee and there's an open enrollment fee that may look like an annual fee, but like it's, it's not, you're paying for your license for the next year. It's you're paying for open enrollment right now. That's, you're not going to do no, that. that you just, you just answered the question. There's a setup fee of $200 per year. And then there's an open enrollment fee. Up to Okay. So you're year. providing free service throughout the year. Well, I guess. Yeah. And if someone, if they remove an employee and re-add them, you're recharging the setup fee, I guess. Is that right? Yeah, this is where it gets complicated on the pricing thing. So, yeah, I guess there's an argument for not aligning this directly with either your costs or the value. I know that there's all this literature about out there about optimizing pricing. Depending on who you're selling to, simplicity means something. It might be better to say it's $15 per month per person. That's it. Or whatever that comes out to per year, 180 per year, even if that's not really how you're thinking about it in your head. Yeah, I just that's what I did. I did two hundred dollars per year and just said October, just and just do it annually based on the renewal date. Yeah, or I, I would I would consider is monthly. Like maybe you and the customer both want it to be monthly, in which case, why are you doing it per year? That's a fair question. I need to reflect on that. But something like that, I think, is right. I think here's an... You said earlier, setup fee plus an open enrollment. I kind of agree with that, except assuming those numbers are roughly equivalent to each other, charging it as an annual fee seems like a way to simplify that. So Yeah, that's I, I, $200 per year is such a simple... I went with that because of simplicity, and then you prorate yeah. it, and it gets simple. And maybe I lose some money on the back end. Uh, for mid-year enrollments, but it's like, whatever. Yeah, the way you get, like, quote-unquote, screwed here is someone's added at the at the end, so you do all the work of onboarding them, and then, like, they don't renew for open enrollment or something like that. I, I you get screwed with that, that with monthly, too. Like, you do all the work on a monthly fee. Absolutely. And so it's... But I guess the point is, like, there's there's nothing in it for the customer to do this to you. Like, they want you to... Like, why would they add someone get them on board and they'd be like, screw you. They're not renewing with open enrollment. Like they have no reason to do this. So I, I wouldn't worry about that. My, my guess is that there's probably simply a, you know, when you, when you add your employees, there's a, I don't know. I, it's just $200 per year per employee period. And maybe I, like I just, it. and maybe, but like when, what happens when you add an employee mid year? I, I like the, the proration. I, I think what I would do, I would be a little more flexible on the, the renewal date. I'd say you can pick the renewal date whenever you want, but when you add someone, we're going to charge you for the next X months to get you to their renewal. And then at that point, we'll charge you $200 for them. So if you add them on month 11, you charge them one twelfth of the $200. And then a month later, you charge $200 for that user. And a lot of products work this way. If you have an annual plan with... Uh, Slack, for example, that's how it works, more or less. I mean, it's a little different, but basic idea. Yeah, pricing here is hard. This is a hard pricing issue. Stripe handles all this, by the way. I don't know how you're planning on billing. Stripe's, Stripe is definitely going to be my billing tool, no questions asked. My issue here is purely one of structure. Well, you may not get to choose. Um, if you use, so stri there's two ways to use Stripe. There's use them as a dumb payment gateway where you're like, charge this person this amount 
and that's it. And or there's their billing product where they handle the subscription. Yeah. If if you're handling the subscription logic, I would look into what they support because it's pretty flexible, but they don't support everything, and you may not have control over this. They support the reason I chose the structure was because Stripe Stripe supported it, and they okay. do like I, I'm I'm 99 sure that they support an annual fee being added. Um, but I haven't really thought through the what happens with mid-year ads and deletes. That's the one thing I haven't thought about. And they handle it. Yeah. They do proration. I'm just saying my experience, I haven't used them, but I, I got very, very close to using them. I, I did all the research and then ultimately they didn't do what I wanted. But I think what they will do by default is you'll just say, this user got added. It's an annual plan. You'll just, the only option you'll have is prorate it or don't. And you'll say prorate and they'll figure out what that means, I think is how it's going to work. Yeah. That sounds good to me. And that's a ton of money. You've got, you're onto something here. That's more than I charge for our CRM customers. And that's not even counting the money you get for being their broker. If we are, if we do become their broker. If you do, but if you're either doing no work to support them and you're getting $200 for nothing, or you're doing work and you're going to be their broker, probably. I like it. Gosh, the real challenge here is I'm wondering whether I should just have a employee activation fee plus a monthly fee or a, like one thing I could see setting this up as, is a first year activation fee that's prorated with a monthly fee following. Yeah. So do you think that 200 you could do this with annual too right like your first year or whatever is a hundred dollars plus your prorated amount and then it's 200 or whatever amount each renewal period i kind of like what i like about the 200 dollar thing is it's abstracting the whole thing away and you probably get more money that way if you start explaining to them well the setup is a lot of work but then i don't have to do it ever again they're probably going to be like oh yeah that's true why are we paying you? Why are we paying you as much year two as we paid you year one? <laughs> Which I think you don't want them thinking about, probably. No, because the open en- the open enrollment process is going to be the same every year. Like it's yeah, but the first year you have that plus onboarding. That's where a setup fee comes in. Yeah, but I'm saying I might prefer like charging yeah. them somewhere in between every year. Anyway, this is I, I think this both, is good. both would work. Both no, this, work, yeah. I'm glad we discussed this. Um, wrapping up the MV, going back to the MVP discussion real quick and wrapping that up. I you you thought about it very similarly to how I've been thinking about it, and you've given me confidence to sort of build the MVP however I can, and only integrate what is like immediately that that adds to the employee workflow into my existing application. Everything else, do it the easiest way possible, and. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to do that. And then pricing, I'm going to uh, I'm going to think about this from two perspectives. One is, should I go monthly? Um, and the other is, if I stay annually, how do I factor in um, onboarding for the first year? Yep. I think that makes sense. Um, one final closing thought on pricing, which is one of the reasons companies sometimes prefer to pay annually is so they don't have to go through the purchasing process 
more than once per year. If that's the type of company you're selling to, proration probably is not an option. You can charge that to them the next renewal period, but if they're adding an employee every month and you're you're giving them these little partial charges every month, they're not going to like that. That's an argument for monthly. Or just handling the real enterprise sales process. Like I, I think it like you seats? probably have to react per, like, to who who the customer is. Like oh, you don't have seats to add an employee, like put a purchase order together for seats. I mean, if you're selling to a 500-person company, that's probably how you have to do it. That's not my. That's not what I'm going after right now. That's another. Yeah. That's another problem. This is sub 50 employee companies. Okay, we sell. I mean, that's who we sell to. Even smaller than that, but even there, there will be a two-person company that's like, I just I have this old ass accounting system. I hate. I'm paying you by check first of all, and you're just not going to accept it. No, I can't. Like, like it's not. It's just no. Stripe Stripe takes checks for you now. They do now? Yeah, there's like an extra fee, which you could just pass on to the customer. But you can be like, mail mail the check to Stripe. And, and anyway, I guess I'm just saying, if enough people come along and ask for it, I think you should consider being more flexible than you're currently thinking. If you don't, great. I respect the hell out of that. But I bet there's a lot of money left on the table if you do that. All right. This is good. Anything else you want cool. to talk about today? Nope. I can save the rest for uh, next week. Alrighty. Well, uh, I will sign us off then. Hey everyone. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, I have two favors to ask. First, please write a review on the podcast app of your choice because reviews play a huge role in helping other people discover useful podcasts. Second, if you know any founders or aspiring founders of independent startups, please tell them about startup to last. And if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See ya.